Hey guys, welcome to the Emetophobia Podcast. Today on the episode, I talked to Kate Thompson. Her Instagram is Thompson underscore XO, if you want to go follow her. It was a great talk. We talked about a ton of emetophobia-related topics, and uh, it was a great show. So we'll see you in there. Thanks. Hey, what's up? Hi. How are you? Thanks to you. Good, good. Um, I'm in an empty parking lot right now, so if you hear cars or anything, that's probably why. <laughs> awesome. So uh, what can we call you on the podcast? I'm just Kate. Kate? Nice to meet you, Kate. Nice to meet good you. good to have you on, for sure. You're the, the first, uh, you're from the UK, you said, or? Yes, I am, yeah. Just awesome. from, if I say William Shakespeare, you might think of Stratford, just by there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've never had anybody anybody on from the uk or anything so you're the first one wow it's exciting a lot of people are hitting me up from the uk though and it's hard to like figure out the time zones and get everything uh collaborated so we can be on oh, together at the same yeah we're like five hours apart or six hours apart or something so yeah i think it's about three o'clock here in the afternoon yeah it's about 10 o'clock here in the morning so wow incredible different so yeah awesome so uh let's get right into it let's hear your uh, emetophobia story so it's actually quite strange, actually, quite different. Um, so I've always been squeamish around situations uh, involving sex, always. Um, I used to have a preconception that it was learned from someone else. Um, I think when I was younger, I had an experience and I saw someone panic um, and I sort of thought, oh, no, this is a scary thing. Mm-hmm. Um And then ever since I went through life absolutely fine, always squeamish. And then I think it was around 2017, um, one of my ex-partners got very, very, very drunk. Um, It's quite a mixture of things. Been playing football, dehydrated as well. Um, Got drunk, not eaten. It was a bit of everything, really. Um, And in my bedroom, he was just sick everywhere. (laughs) Honestly, it was traumatising. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't be in my, I couldn't go back in my bedroom. Um, it was really, really quite harrowing. Um, and then after that, I started feeling sick myself, like constantly. Um, I was in and out of the doctors. I was like, there's something wrong with me. I'm, I'm not wow. Um, I kept having that horrible metallic taste in my mouth. Um, doctors thought I was pregnant. I said, no, I'm not. A hundred percent not. <laughs> Um, right. Yeah, I was in and out of A&E. I was like, there's something wrong with me. I had like blood tests and everything. Um, I couldn't figure out what was wrong and I just knew something wasn't right. Um, and then I sat in front of one doctor I'd never seen before and they basically turned around and said, you have an anxiety disorder. I said, no, I don't. I have something physically wrong with me. I don't suffer from anything like that. I, I have, but never before. But no, this that's not it. No, you've got it wrong. And she said yes I have got it right and I was like how how can something in my mind make me so physically poorly it was it was quite hard to get around it but once I sort of understood and researched as to why how can this suddenly just spring on me um it really opened my mind and I, I thought you know what what's caused it then and I sat down with my family and we found out it was from that incident and I was like, oh no, like how can something that happened months ago still be experiencing those emotions now? And that right. was it really. It was ever since that day, I thought I had a Google, does anyone else feel like this? And then there it was. My apologies. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I kind of had the same thing happen where my whole traumatic event happened in a vehicle and everything. My friend had food poisoning and then uh, it didn't really affect me until like a week later. So it was kind of like we went to a party and then at that party, everything just kind of like came on all of a sudden. It was like, I I felt like I was going to pass out. I had to go lay down. I got really, really nauseous, really sick. It was just like the worst feeling of my life. And then from that day forward, it just never stopped. It's just been there ever since. And it was just kind of like this thing that I didn't know what it was. And then, yeah, I did the same thing. I researched some stuff and I had a couple of buddies come up to me and say, well, maybe you just have anxiety, man. Maybe you just, you know, something's wrong with yeah. your head, you know? And so then I started learning about emetophobia and that's when I really like something clicked in my head and I was like, wow, this is actually like a real thing. Like I can't just, I can't control this anymore. It's something that just kind of happens. So that's crazy. Um, well, let's touch on that real quick. How has uh, emetophobia um, affected your dating life? <laughs> I always like so to know it, that. 
I mean, when obviously once everything had happened and I sort of understood, I mean, I lost a lot of weight. I was absolutely tiny. I mean, my family are all, we're all really blessed to be really skinny people anyway. Sure. Um, I've always struggled to put on weight. And then obviously I couldn't eat because I felt so anxious and nauseous. Um, and I lost a lot of weight very quickly. Um, I found out what was going on. Then I got put on a antidepressants to help calm the anxiety. Um, so my 18th birthday was, I was absolutely riddled with anxiety. And the next day with my ex-partner, I flew out to Ibiza, which is like the party oh. capital of Europe. Um, yeah. Apparently somebody, I think it must've been a young kid was sick on the plane and I was, I got through it, I don't know how. Um, got to Ibiza, tablets started kicking in. I started working up an appetite again. Um, then literally I got home and I just sort of had a bit of a realization. I thought I need to just give, I moved my bedroom around so I could feel comfortable going in. Um, and then I split up with my ex-partner. I just said, look, you, you cause my anxiety. Cause I just yeah. kept sitting with him. And I just said, I think we should part ways. I need to work on myself. Um, and then after that, every time I went, so I still carried on going on nights out and being sober, I still carried on. Um, and he'd come up to me drunk and start rowing. And then he'd like, he'd burp. And I was yeah. like, you need to stand six feet away from me. Cause I just, right. I just riddled with anxiety. I said, you can't come near me. I don't want you near me. Um, in the end, I just called that off and we've, we've never really spoke since. I uh, just kept it pretty casual. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I was younger, I'm, I'm, I know this is going to sound bad to some people, but I'm so glad that I'd left school at this point because I mean, to the emetophobes that go to school with this phobia, that is just another level of courage and bravery. And like, I just, I praise them because I don't think at that age, I would have been able to have coped. I mean, I'd left school at this point. So in my set, I feel pretty glad that I had. Um, but when I was at school, I drank, I think in the, in the UK, it's 18 to drink alcohol. I was drinking stupid amounts at a very young age. Um, so before I turned 18, I'd sort of, you know, done the hangovers, done the trying to induce myself to get everything out the system. I'd already done it. So when I turned 18 for me, it wasn't really about the going out, going out to the clubs, yeah, but drinking wasn't really on the agenda because I'd already done it anyway. Um, right. But I don't drink at all now. I'm now 21. Um, I don't drink whatsoever. I'm quite reluctant to go out to places. Um, my friends, I'm very lucky. They do respect that. If they drink a lot in front of me, I will panic. I don't give them a lift home after a night out. If they drank a lot, they're yes. very respectful. They don't pressure me at all. I'm I'm very very privileged in that sense that they're so Sorry. understanding that's good no i'm glad you have some supportive friends for sure i did I, I had to drop out of high school myself i just couldn't do it i was my senior year and i had i think four credits left to graduate and i ended up just i could not go to school I just physically could not it was yeah. so scary and so i was so anxious every morning i leave to go to, to school in the morning and i'd just be like no i gotta go back home i can't do it i can't do it and it was just like this never-ending cycle of just being anxious all the time and then once i'd get to school i'd be in class and all i'd be worried about the whole time is somebody getting sick around me or somebody having the flu or something it was just you're in so such a like hostile environment it feels like everybody around you is just any moment could get sick and it's just yeah. terrifying so yeah I, I definitely feel that way too about people who still go to school when they have emetophobia there's a couple of people I talk to who are still in college and they do that they go to college with emetophobia and I'm just like college is the worst place it's where everybody's getting drunk all the time it's terrifying I know so, well just them yeah I don't I don't know how people do it um so how do you cope with your emetophobia nowadays um so I mean I think now I'm a bit more understanding I mean I have got some group chats um where I don't really tend to go on them a lot if I'm anxious and I need someone to talk to, if I'm not on my own, they're really good. And when I'm at work as well, like I'll drop them a message if I'm feeling a bit anxious. Um, I mean, I sort of have a wrist, I have a hair bubble on my wrist. I was actually told to do that while I was self-harming many years ago, but I never did. But I found with the anxiety, if I sort of flick it on my wrist, it sort of brings me back down to planet Earth. It sort of makes me, it re-diverts my brains and say, hang on a minute, what's going on there? Take a good distraction. Um, I will sit or play on Candy Crush. I've got lots mm -hmm. of games to play on to get distracted or I'll talk to people around me and just say, oh, I'm having a bit of a wobble. Um, but I am doing the Thrive program. I don't know if you've heard of it. I have. I just, I haven't really looked into it too much though, for sure. Um, it is. 
I thought I kept seeing it for ages and people saying, you know, I've cured my metphobia. And I was a bit like, well, I've tried counseling. I've tried hypnotherapy. What more have I got to lose? I'm going to give it a shot because people have heard, I've heard really good stuff and people have said it's great. So I'm in the process of that now. And honestly, I know it is expensive. I've seen people do GoFundMes. Like, I think if you're going to do it, because you can just have the book and do it yourself. But I think it's good to have a consultant to do it with. And I know it's expensive. I Honestly, if I could pay for every emetophobe to do this, I would. I'd do it in a heartbeat. Because it makes you realise how a lot of us emetophobes are very external, such as like, we feel like when something's going on, our response is, why is this happening to us? Not, mm. why am I thinking like it? And it does, it has really opened my eyes to think, I create my anxiety. Yeah. I do it myself. And my consultant said to me, you know, all the horrible things you say to yourself, would you say to someone else with your phobia? I said, no. There's things I say in my head, I would never ever say to an emetophobic person because I'd probably make them feel awful and they'd probably want to take their own life. So, and he said, well, why would you do it to yourself? And it's, it's really eye-opening how sort of the phobia is created and how many people have it. They say like 95% of them are women and 5% yeah. of them. But I'm always encouraging, like I find with male friends, you know, if you're feeling down or upset, talk, because it does True. help. It's not a weakness. It actually, I think it's more manly to talk about your emotions than to hide it. For sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, uh, and going back on the, the female part of it, um, my podcast, I can see my statistics and it is 98% female and then like 2% male. So yeah, and I've only met one guy on Instagram the whole time who has metaphobia. So I think it's been two now, two guys. So it's very uh, woman dominant. And I do think it's because of uh, the fact that a lot of men don't want to talk about their feelings. They don't want to go to counseling. They just want to man it up and deal with it. And it's like, you can't just deal with it on your own. I mean, sometimes yeah. you have to ask for help. So that's, and I, I went and got therapy and I found a therapist who specializes in emetophobia and OCD disorders. And she has just been amazing. So, and I talk to her twice a week or no, every two weeks, sorry, once every two weeks. And we just have a good, like 45 minute talk. And she just kind of helps me through things to ask me how the week's going. And it's been great to just have somebody to talk to who understands what's going on in my life. So it's great. They do say it is one of the most complex phobias because you can have like OCD coming off it and agoraphobia and then anorexia as well. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people do just say you know you've got a chemical imbalance or you're not wired right or it's genetics which I did believe and since I've been doing the Thrive program I think that is so damaging I mean I took new um, antidepressants the ones I took before um, a couple of weeks ago and honestly I could not believe it I just had the complete reverse reactions the first time they worked this time they didn't um I lost so much weight again. I'm really struggling to get it back on because um, my appetite was completely suppressed and they're actually meant yeah. to be given to obese people to help them lose weight. And the anxiety was so severe. I honestly don't think I've ever experienced anything like it in my life. I was getting up in the morning as soon as I opened my eyes. I was having it all day at work. I mean, on my 21st birthday, I sat at my doctor's in tears saying, I just can't live like this anymore. I don't know what's going on. It's just randomly happened um and I said I've lost a lot of weight because when I'm anxious I can't eat some people will go and eat the whole house or eat the fridge out but right. I've never been a comfort eater so when I'm anxious or sad or upset I can't eat I think most people are like that um and he said well you've got an eating disorder and I got in my car and I was so upset I thought that's not what you should be saying I was told keep on the tablets keep going and I sat my my mum's really understanding she spoke to one of her friends who took the same one as me and said that she'd had um a reaction made her very very suicidal and I was like right I'm not taking them anymore that's it I'm drawing the line my birthday week was just ruined I sat and had food and cried in a restaurant normal food that I would eat anywhere any other time and I just couldn't even stomach it I lay in the bath with, I don't know how much lavender bath salt. I love lavender. I also have lavender spray. It helps me sleep as well. Um, yeah. And I just had to do deep breaths. But I've also found as well, when I've got anxiety, doing the deep breaths can sometimes make me feel a bit worse. Because you associate doing deep breathing 
when you need to calm down because you're panicking. And over the last couple of weeks, I've thought, when I'm getting anxious, I don't like to do deep breaths because it's. I feel like I'm telling myself, yeah, you're panicking, you need to calm down. And I think, no, I don't I don't want to panic. I, I want to sort of challenge it. But when you've been stuck in the same mental state for so long and you pick up these habits and you give the devil on your shoulder a megaphone, it's very hard to try and drown that out. And I think a lot of therapists seem to think, oh, well, you know, we'll just don't listen to it. And it's like, yeah, I know, but it's easier said than done. And the main one is don't panic. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, really? Come on. <laughs> like, you're supposed to be a therapist and help me out here. Don't just tell me like everything my friends are telling me all the time. Literally. Yeah. No, I get it for sure. Yeah. And uh, so, how has COVID-19 affected your emetophobia and your overall anxiety lately? See, this is quite a weird one because before COVID, I would, wouldn't over excessively wash my hands. I'm, I used to suck my thumb when I was a child. I wouldn't dare dream of doing that now. And like, <laughs> you know, it's sort of the basic hygiene, like before I touch my mouth and stuff, obviously before COVID, I would just hand gel and wash hands anyway. Um, but with the whole mask thing as well, I mean, I feel a lot more comfortable about that. Yeah. Like going into shops and stuff and being at work, I don't have to wear one sat at my desk, but if I go to serve people on the um, tray counter, I do. And I think wearing the mask is quite, it's made me feel a lot more comfortable sort of going into supermarkets and things um, when they're worn properly anyway. Um, right. lockdown was pretty we had a lockdown here um, I was off work for seven weeks and um, just sat at home it was good I had sort of time to you know clean my room out and things like that but I probably say anxiety in general I think it's I've had to stop reading the news um, because obviously with the presidential election I'm glued I love it um, <laughs> yes. but, with, but with COVID I had to sort of you know not read when I get up in the morning don't read or look at anything or put the TV on until I'm at work. I can't sort of do it straight away because it just it just puts it makes you feel really down. I think when they talk about the figures and the deaths and how you know you cases are rising over here, it is a bit you know oh, is it even going to get better? So you sort of, I think I have to not listen to the negatives and just think we will get back to normal one day. Don't know how long it's going to take, but it will come. But in terms of a and that a favor, I'd probably say it's sort of, it's probably, I'd probably say it's still the same. I wouldn't yeah. say it's any better or any worse at all. So, sure. And I, I noticed that too with the news is, uh, I think negative things get more ratings for the news. So that's kind of why they yeah. do the more negative stuff. And uh, yeah, with the election, it has just been stressful. I mean, even my boss, he he's voting for Trump and everything. I'm more of a Biden guy myself. And so him and I have just been button heads this entire time. And we're just constantly arguing about it. And it's like, he keeps telling me, I'm not political. I'm not a political guy. And I'm just like, well, then you, you really seem political when you keep talking about it 24-7, man. So I do feel just, so for you guys because where you are with your presidential election is where we were when we were deciding our prime minister I mean I like things about Trump but I don't like things about Trump and I like things about Biden but I don't like yeah. things about him like I think I feel really bad because it was like us I mean the outcome isn't going to be great but you've got to pick the work like the best out of the two worst yeah for sure but, I mean it is quite it is eye-opening over here I mean some of the stuff I read I just think oh blame me but it's taken a long time I mean yeah. I remember when I watched um Trump and Hillary Clinton I was like they got the results in really quick and like with our pres um our prime minister elections they are literally like done by midnight mm -hmm. it's crazy and I think why is it taking so long I don't know it just seems a bit hmm well, it's, the, it's all the mail-in ballots is what's the problem, I think, is because right. they're all dated for the um, uh, the end of the election day, but they're all coming in afterwards because they were dated for a certain day, but it takes the mail a certain amount of time to get them in. So and now yeah. everybody's freaking out saying it's all rigged and there's all this one-sided stuff. And it's just, even my town I live in now, they, they had to go um, check out the whole voting poll area and the place there so, to make sure that there was no, like fishy stuff going on in the place and it's just constant everywhere everybody's arguing with each other and everyone's pissed off i mean i've lost tons of friends just because it's like they don't agree with my stuff and i'm like i'm not trying to lose friends man i i, I don't like biden either 
but at the same time like i really really don't like trump so it's just like it's a it's a back and forth where you have to you know, choose the best of uh both evils so for sure yeah. but um i know i don't have my my list of questions i usually have so i'm kind of going off the top of the head here um let's uh do you have any advice for people who have emetophobia i do i it's really tough because obviously i'm halfway through a program to try and sure it but I mean just keep going really I mean I do have you have good days and you have bad days but it's trying not to let the bad last a whole day and sometimes the more you put yourself in difficult situations that you wouldn't normally cope with and it does go wow you sort of train your brain to think well I did it before I can do it again and just to make you think like you know in, in a really strange way, we can cope because, you know, our, and not to, not be so harsh on yourself. So don't think people realise, you know, as much as we think the worst possible situation will be the most terrifying thing, we have thought ourselves into that. We believe it is awful and we're going to die. It's the end of the world. It's going to be awful. But, and a big bit at the end of that is, your body is will do that to protect you as crazy as it sounds you've got your mind saying let we don't want to feel those emotions we don't want to experience that because it's not very pleasant let's avoid it so you start putting all your all of the things that you associate with the emetophobia in a wall and that wall just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you know, it's it's really, really tough, but just keep going. And, you know, as horrible as it sounds to the girls I'm in the group chat with, you know, when they're having really, really bad anxiety, I'm like, the worst might happen, but you will come out the other end. You are yeah. strong, Pope. You've just got to give a big fat middle finger to your brain and say, no, I can do it. I will do it. And my body is trying to help me, but you're trying to stop me. And I think... You know, you've got a right. I just see it as like anxiety. Ride it like a massive wave, like you're on a surfboard, mm -hmm. and you're just getting over it step by step. Take each day as it comes, and just be kind to yourself. Because some of the stuff we say in our heads, we wouldn't yeah. say to somebody else. So why sure. would you say it to yourself? Why? And you know, I just find self-esteem as well. A lot of people have said to me that this phobia is linked with low self-esteem. I said, well, I don't see how that works because I'll go out look with no makeup on and dressed in like drag. Like I honestly will look really rough. It just I don't care what people think. And they're like, yeah, but your strong self-esteem in that area is absolutely off the radar. But being able to cope in a situation, it's very, very low. But it is really eye-opening. So just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep swimming, as Dory says. Yeah. No, I noticed that too. Um, it's a lot of fight or flight mode all the time. It's you always yeah, feel like you're, you're on the verge of going into some very terrible situation. And yeah, the way I started dealing with it too was um, I used to be really afraid to go in public, go to the store, go to parties, anything like that. But it's almost like you kind of have to do a couple of those and be very scared yeah. and see that you make it out on the other end every time to then be able to tell yourself, you know, hey, I did it. I did it last time. I remember exactly when I had the panic attack last time. I remember how I dealt with it. Just remember that this next time I do it, it might happen again, but I'm going to be able to get through it. And that's kind of where my mind is now. So. Definitely. I mean, I've been in situations where when I first had the phobia, I was in a nightclub in the smoking area and a girl clearly had a bit too much. And I was like, oh no. And I went back yeah. in and then me and my friend came out of a bar and there was a, um, a young lad with a girl um oh he was in a very very bad way and I thought uh I'll we'll walk the other way around instead of going directly past it we'll just go round so as I walked round I got round the corner and I said to my friend I went I think I need to go back she said what do you mean I said <laughs> I'm really concerned about him I said take what he's doing out the equation I said, because that's not normal. I said, it looks like blood. I'm very concerned. I need to make sure he's okay. I said, if he's still there, I'm going to go and check on him and I will call an ambulance because he doesn't look good. He was up and walking anyway, staggering, but he was with somebody. Um, I had a situation a couple of months later. My sister had been out on an empty belly, drank a lot of alcohol. Mm. Um, I couldn't hear anything. And uh, my mum came down and said, look, just to let you know, 
she is being sick because she's very very drunk she was like it's because she hasn't eaten and she's not feeling great because of she's a bit down at the moment and she's obviously drank tried to find the answer at the end of a bottle which didn't work out very well um I didn't hear anything didn't smell anything didn't see anything but where I am in my bedroom her head is literally behind the wall and it's a very very thin wall in my house um so I stayed downstairs and watched tv um I did feel a bit anxious but I kept as calm as I could I just kept saying you know it's because she's drank but you know you'll have your door shut so I came up to bed I put my telly on quite loud had the door shut um, had my fan on had my dog with me as well and I woke up a couple of times in the night and got myself back down um but I did it and if it ever and, and and I just thought you know wow like how how did I do that and I think with the, with our phobia we really struggle to process the positive you know the positive moments and I think even with ourselves like the next day everyone was like oh my god well done that's amazing that's brilliant and I was sort of like well how I don't get why it's a big thing even though I know I should be really proud of myself I couldn't um, process it and then when I had the really bad anxiety on my birthday I went to work every single day and did 8am till 5pm how I did it I don't know but I did it and so many people have said like wow done how did you do it and I'm like is that really a big thing but I've got to start, I think with us emetophobes, some more than others, we need to start processing our positive, positive achievements a lot more and think, you know, what would you say to somebody with your phobia who's done that? I'd like throw them a party and be like, amazing, yeah. well done. But with me, it's like, mm, yeah, and what, I did it. Right. Did no, that's that. good. No, that's really good. I, 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 You should do that where I would have to like, leave work early some days or do stuff like that but then I realized that over time if I just didn't leave and I I started making a game out of it I was like let's see if I can stay the whole night like and I just broke it down into like little sections and I'd be like all right let's just make it till the next 30 minutes and then after that we'll decide what to do after that and then we'll do 30 more minutes and then it it makes it so you don't feel obligated to have to do it it kind of is like I want to do it I want to see if I can get to that point you really get to push yourself and then when you make it to the other night you're like dude I made it like I'm good I can go home now I did the whole night and everything's good and I think all those um situations we get ourselves in like that is in the long run this generalized piece of the whole recovery process so it's all those little tiny things that you do like that night with your sister there and then it'll be another night when you go out to a party and then another night when you're in a car with somebody it's just all those things add up together at the end of it all to say hey you know i made it through all that stuff i'm still okay i'm still living i'm, I'm happier than i've ever been and then eventually you will start getting into the point where your recovery is is towards the end of it and i, I feel like that's where i'm at now is i feel I just feel really good about everything. I'm really happy. I'm getting my self-happiness back. I'm starting to learn that like uh, I have a lot of self-worth and I was, I think it was the self-esteem thing. I just didn't look at myself in a very positive way. And I I always looked at myself like I was kind of worthless in a way because of this whole metaphobia thing. But now I'm looking at like, Hey, I'm strong. Like I'm super strong. I can make it through this stuff. I'm getting out on the other end and I'm going to get through my recovery. So it's a good thing to have. I like a metaphor to realize as well. Like a lot of people do have this misconception about mental health, you know, oh, well, you've done your therapy and, like, now you're great. That's it now. You're sorted for life. No, because you've got to think, you know, when people who have who are alcoholics or drug addicts, they do rehab, but they do have relapses. It is totally normal. And, like, with people who, you know, you hear about people who get through cancer really successfully and then they catch it again. It, well, it develops again. You know, it does happen. And so many people think with mental health, like, oh, well, you've done your therapy, that means you're sorted no it doesn't mean you're sorted like with a physical illness things can still come back like you could have a brain tumor and then you could have another one or like a lump on your breast and then have another one you know a lot of people think with mental health once you walk out that door that's it it isn't you have to keep all the positive exercises and things like that I mean I've had anxiety books um I've got a gratitude diary. I've had self-help books to do with metaphobia of Amazon. Um, and you've really sort of got to get in tune with your body because as much as having this phobia is awful and you think it's ruining my life, I'm, I'm a horrible person doing this to myself. You've got to understand why you do it. Like your body and your mind, it's trying to protect you, but it's not at the same time. So I think when people start to learn, you know, oh, well, you know why am I doing this hang on like what what are you trying to tell me like is your body you know is there something I should be worried about is there something not right like try and keep in tune 
with both it, it is a skill um that's quite hard to learn i mean i'm still going through it now um yeah. you know you just got to be sort of try and keep in keep both of them in tune because if there's something going on at p i think well is there something in here that's making me quite alarmed like you know when you get your signals that like, i need to go to the toilet or oh when you're touching a hot pan you think your brain sends those messages i think you know it's one of those as well like you wouldn't get in a call with sharks that are hungry and ready to eat you your brain would be like no i am not getting in that pool they are going to eat me they're hungry i'm not going to do that so i know the outcome and um you know a lot of people see that as you know oh well it's the same with the phobia really you oh well i'm not going to drink alcohol again because of the phobia and then that's another like i said earlier you get the other brick in the in the big great wall of china i call mine because it's very long and very yeah. quite high as well um yeah it's just one of those really you just sort of there's so much to it and i think the more you go through life and i think as i've got older i mean i was 17 turning 18 with this phobia and now i'm 21 i do think as you get older you do put things into perspective a lot more um definitely but i mean sometimes you can look at other people with this phobia that you don't even know about and think, wow, like, look at that. She's great. He looks great. He's got loads of money. She's got loads of money. Like, look at her. And then really you, you don't know the battle that goes on. I mean, I go out with my friends and, you know, luckily I've got the, I drive cause I do, I drive everywhere. I've got the, oh, I'm not drinking. Any alcohol and driving. But you know, if someone was to sit down and say, why don't you actually drink why don't you not drive it's one of those really and then I've had days where people have said are you okay and I've been like don't ask me that question because it all just comes flooding out and I mean to people who don't understand the phobia because a lot of people don't and the most famous comment is well nobody likes it anyway oh tell I understand that (laughs) like oh well it's not great I know it's not great but the difference is like when someone who's scared of flying because they're scared they're going to die or something like that, they get the fight or flight that us emetophobes can probably get all of the time. Those emotions and like if you have a panic attack on a, like a plane, when those people get off that plane, it goes. But with us, it stays. And that's how I try to explain it to people. You know, when you do something you're scared of, like a scary ride or someone you're scared of in the street, that anxiety and the panic and the fear that you get like the sweaty hands the heart pumping the anxiety lump in the throat i call it and the Mm -hmm. what do i do what do i do like rabbit in the headlights is what an emetophobe feels every minute of every day a lot of them but when you get away from your situation it goes but with us it doesn't and honestly like the i have the groups on facebook as well I honestly sometimes could sit here and cry because they have just been absolutely amazing to know you're not alone. And honestly, like I would be lost without my fellow emetophobes. I mean, the last couple of years have been really, really hard. And even if this Thrive programme does cure my emetophobia, which I'm very hoping it does, I would never leave them behind because I see them as my family. And I don't know if anyone else feels like that, but I've told the girls when I've come out of the, a blip, I call them, like when I've come out the other end, I, I could sit and cry and I think, I love you guys. I, I've never met any of you, but you're literally like my my family. I never knew that I needed or it's brilliant. Like we all stick together. We've all got something in common. You know, it, it brings us all together. But I have noticed some people on um, social media have unfollowed me. And I think we're supposed to stick together. Like, you know, I like all of your posts, like you know about mine. And then they just sort of all trickle away and you think, hang on. And that does, I do get quite upset and quite disappointed. So we're supposed to be sticking together and helping each other. And you're just, I felt quite left, like deserted really. But I try not to let that bother me anymore because I've got, I've got my little close knit group. So I'm quite happy. That's why I wanted to make the podcast is because I feel like I'm becoming um, I'm, I'm coming towards the end of my recovery. Uh, and it's kind of been just a self uh, like I've done it all myself. And I started getting the counselor about, I don't know, six months ago. 
Um, but it's kind of just been my own, like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. And I'm so tired of having metaphobia and I just, I'm going to do something about it no matter what. And, um, I think that I don't want anybody else to feel the way that I felt. That's kind of why I wanted to do this. So I could just kind of bring it out and say, Hey, this is how I've done it. This is how I felt. If it helps you, it helps you. If not, if it doesn't, but I'm just here for you regardless. You know what I mean? Cause like, I don't ever want anybody to feel like that. And, it, and I remember being in my room feeling like I wanted to die and just be gone and not to deal with this ever again. And it's like, I can't imagine somebody being in, in the place I was before. So it's like, if I could help in any way, it's just, that's why I'm here. You know, I, I really like that feeling. So. Exactly. I mean, it gets me so emotional when I really think about it, you know, like you feel like this has been given to mm -hmm. you. It's not, it's created by us and it doesn't make you weird because I think someone told me like 20 million people in America alone suffer with this and they're ones that they actually know about. But I just think how many people you know, like I've been scrolling through TikToks and I've seen one and I've gone, oh dear. And I've looked at the comments and the amount of people that are like, oh, I've got another one. I'm like, yeah. where are you guys all coming from? And I just think like, like you said, those people, like how you felt, I think I got to a point where I thought, I can't live like this anymore. You know, like, I know I'm 21, but I mean, the amount of life experience then, I feel like I'm in my 80s. And I would love to have children. You know, the thought of having a child, I'm a quite an anxious person anyway, but I, I would love to have a baby. And then I think, you know, maybe with emetophobia, I could cope a lot better because I know what would, I now I would know why I'm experiencing these feelings. And a girl I follow, um, her and her sister do a page um to prevent suicide they're sort of like girls you could just talk to if you're going through anything and one of the girls is pregnant and I remember when I was really bad on my birthday I was messaging back and forth and I didn't go into detail about the baby I just said oh I've got an anxiety disorder mm -hmm. and then I saw somebody asked her a question saying how's your emetophobia I was like hang on a minute <laughs> I've been talking to you about this for about two weeks and I, we didn't know. And, and I was like, congratulations. How on earth? I was so surprised at how, how did you even take the courage to, to get pregnant? I mean, how are you getting on? And she said, she's been really, really poorly, um, really, really poorly. And she can't sleep in her bed anymore, but she was like, I know what's coming at the end. And then I think, you know, when I have my own children, if they do pick something up at nursery or at school, you know, am I going to be able to cope? But I have a dog um, who's 16, 18 months old. He's a little sausage dog. Um, and for example, when he was a puppy, he was sick quite a lot. Um, and he was sick this morning. Everyone else was like, uh, and there's me cleaning it up. Yep. I think it's because, you know, he's my responsibility. I've got to do it and bless him his little face he looks at me like I'm so sorry and I'm like I can't <laughs> it out. I'll clean it all up um but you know it's one of those really I, a lot of people say when you have your own children you just get on with it but honestly like how like we know how we've both felt do you know what I wouldn't even wish that on my worst enemy and I have some grudges I've had before, but honestly, like what I've experienced emotionally and physically with this phobia, I, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. I really wouldn't because you get yourself in such a rut. You think, how am I going to get out? But I think the process of learning how to come out of that rut is thinking, why did I even get here in the first place? Why did I let it get this bad? Um, you know, and, and it's just sort of one of those really. And I see about certain people posting like videos of their panic attacks and stuff. And I think when I've learned as well, you a lot of people think we have like a little album of experiences and memories and photos stored in our head. And I actually found out that's not true. I was like, yeah, it is. Cause I can remember stuff from when I was like five. I remember this, I remember that. And they said, um, a psychologist said, you don't actually have that. The only reason why you think you have one he said, your memories are only like two weeks old. Two weeks old. After two weeks, they go. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. So how come I can remember my emetophobic experience in 2017 
as clear as day like mm-hmm. it's happening in front of me and 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 I said explain that then how do asymmetrophobes think about these scenarios if they're not stored anywhere and it said because you think about them subconsciously or consciously you don't actually have the full picture so you put bits in that scenario that make Very it true. more people. so you keep believing that's what happened and I'm thinking yeah like I can see why but honestly like you know, I do understand a lot of people can't, I don't know how it works with you guys in the States, but over here, I mean, you have the National Health Service. Um, there is no mental health service on the National Health Service. Um, I mean, the counselling list, when I first had my phobia, I was told a year for face-to-face. I said, I'm not going to be here in a year's time if I carry on yeah. like this. And so in terms of getting free help, it's sort of out the window. And we've got amazing charities over here. Um I donated a lot of money. I did a fundraiser for the Samaritans. Don't know if you guys have heard of them. Um, they're really good. They, I've called them a lot of times and um, pre biphobia with depression before. And um, I think I did about 350 pounds towards them. They're brilliant. And you've got mind and all sorts. Um, but I had um, CBT and counseling privately. I paid, I don't know what this might be to you guys, but I paid about 40 pound a session. And the hypnotherapy was 70 pound a session. Again, I was like, that's a waste of money. But the Thrive Programme, I don't know what it is for you guys in the States, but here with a consultant, it's about a £1,000. Okay. Um, some guys might do a payment plan, which is what I'm doing. Um, I'm lucky because obviously I work full time um, so I can afford that. But I mean, to anybody who thinks I can't afford that, I mean, I'd be, I, if I could ever be a consultant, I would. But I mean, they share stuff on their Instagram and Facebook pages just to give you a bit of a boost and sort of help you understand. Um, but, you know, we will get through it. There is always a light at the end of the tunnel. And once you hit rock bottom, the only way is up. I mean, I battled through self-harming and depression um, for a good four and a half years, multiple suicide attempts, pre-emetophobia. And I got through that. So oh, yeah. if I, anybody can, if I can get through that, I mean, I sit here and say I'm weak. I'm the weakest person, but all my friends say I'm strong. You know, if I, someone like me, who's very much struggled a lot throughout life, I mean, low self-esteem, no self-confidence, bullying and all sorts. If I can do it, anybody can. And I mean, you know, you are going to have bad days. That is normal. It is okay not to be okay, but try not to let the bad day last a day. Try and keep it half a day or a couple of hours. Try not to let it take over and, take that megaphone off that devil on the shoulder <laughs> take it away yes for sure um i want to touch on the kid thing for just a second so i am a stepdad now uh, my girlfriend i kind of got gifted a couple of children so uh, one is three one is four and the three-year-old gets sick all the time because she'll start eating some food like today for instance she ate a banana and she just her whole mouth is completely full of bananas and she can't swallow it so then she starts gagging and she ends up getting sick and um <laughs> it's almost been like a form of exposure therapy for me in the long yeah. run because they're, I mean, they're constantly getting sick about things. And, uh, about, I want to say three or four weeks ago, they both got colds. All of a sudden they just started coughing, fever, runny nose. Luckily we took them in. They didn't have COVID. We checked them out and everything, but, yeah. uh, it was just a very big scare in the house. And luckily uh, my girlfriend and I didn't get it at all. We didn't get a sickness. We didn't get any colds. They just got a cold. And I mean, they're all over us crawling all over me all the time. I mean, they're, and they yeah. use our bed and stuff. So, and we just didn't get sick, but it's just those little things that you can't control. Cause I mean, I'll come in the living room sometimes and, uh, uh, my daughter, she's three. She'll just have her whole hand in her mouth, just sitting there on the couch, just sucking on her hand. And it's just like, what are you doing? That's disgusting. <laughs> so it's just, uh, you can't control a lot of that stuff, but it has really helped me in the long run with my emetophobia, um, having the kids around. Cause I, I can kind of justify it. And I put my own care and like making them feel comfortable over my own emetophobia to be like, you know, I'm just going to make them feel as comfortable as possible. And if they do feel sick, I'll give them water and crackers and make them feel as good as I can and that I put all my focus on that and not on my emetophobia and if I could get sick or not yeah and uh, my two cats got sick like, yeah the, they got the two kittens got sick yesterday and uh, luckily I wasn't at the house but 
they they both like if we give them wet food at all they'll eat the whole bowl of wet food and then they'll just be so fat and just full and then they'll <laughs> both just go get sick and it's like come on man like it's so <laughs> gross but at the same time it is a good thing to see having a metaphobia to be like hey they don't have the flu that i can't get sick from this at all and it's just a way for me to see it and be like hey i'm fine like i'm good no no problem like just clean it up get it over it get past it and we can move on from this and it's just one of those little exposure therapy things as well so yeah the kids thing is scary i, I was really scared about that at first and it, it was very scary at first but now that i'm more into it the first time she ever got sick was absolutely terrifying for me i just i don't know how i went through it i was like freaked out i'd go out of the house and go for a walk and like freaking out yeah. and i came inside and everything was fine i was just like oh okay well we're good. And then after that, it just got easier and easier and easier. So definitely just got to take those things with positivity instead of negativity. For sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, some people um, aren't bothered about others and it's more themselves. And I can honestly say that I think that as I've got older, like with the phobia, it's more about me rather than other people. Same. Like definitely, I can definitely say I'm more worried about me experiencing it than others. And I mean, I used to get so like when the first emetophobic incident happened, I was like, so angry i could have just punched him straight in the face yeah. oh, man. like why have you done this to me and i used to sit there and cry i mean when me and my partner now we've been together two years i mean when we first got together my anxiety was non-existent and then as winter came um because we got together in the august as the winter came on it started getting worse and i sat remember sat there crying in the car and i said my ex has done this to me he's ruined my life and i think no He's done me a favor. I'm ruining my own life by having this mindset. But I do think as I've got older, it's more, you know, I can't control what other people do at yep. all. I can't read people's mind, but I can control what goes on with me, what goes on in my mind and how I react. So I think, you know, I thought when, I, when me and my partner went on holiday last year, pre-COVID, oh, went to Tenerife mm -hmm. in Europe, um, and I thought, you know, what if he gets heat straight? What am I going to do? Am I going to pack up, the, leave him on his own in the hotel room? Like, am I going to be that person who just leaves him there on his own? And I thought, no, I'm not going to be that person. Because I just think, like, how would I feel if I was left on my own? And that, I think, as the metaphors do need to think about that, you know, like, if you are in that situation where it's happening to someone else and not you, you know, how would you feel if you just ran away, if someone ran away from you and you were left to deal with it on your own with or without a baby? You wouldn't, you'd be quite upset. And that's how I just think, you know, like I wouldn't want anyone to run away from me. So why should I run away from other people? But in terms of exposure therapy, I mean, I think that's good and bad. Um, I mean, what was I watching? Oh, that's it. Um, there's a TV programme on in the UK called Don't Rock the Boat. Uh, you can imagine what that's about. Told, don't watch it. It's very triggering. I was like, right, okay. And then on Netflix, you've got something called The Crown. I don't know if you guys got it over there. But mm, the uh, yes. British monarchy. Um, Princess Diana starts her bulimia battle. And I thought, oh, no. I've been really looking forward to this series. And they've even put trigger warnings, which I'm really happy about, sure. on the episodes saying, you know, warning might be upsetting. And I thought, right, I know what I know what bulimia is, so I know what to expect. And I thought, well, I know it's going to be coming and it's one of my favourite series to watch. So I'm going to do it because it's on the telly. It's not next to me. But I have had, um, I think a couple of months ago, I was scrolling through Instagram and somebody with the metaphobia has actually made a page and put videos of people actually um, being sick. And I was like, I caught it totally off guard. And I was like, I was fuming. I was like, what is this? Who would be so cruel? And then the, I actually read the caption and the person was like, I have a metaphobia. Here's your exposure therapy. And I was like, what? So someone had actually gone out of their way to say to a metaphobe, like, here's your exposure therapy. And I was like, I like the idea of it, but that is so insensitive at the same yeah, time. As soon sure. as you click on it, it's all there. And I did pre-warn certain people and say, look, you know, I'd block it if I was you. I have blocked it, probably will unblock it. But I think, you know, with that new series coming up, that will be a good time to sort of like, right, let's go. Let's I don't understand why they even have to put that in movies. Like, 
it re- a lot oh, of the no. times it has nothing to do with the movie it's just somebody getting sick and you're like you just put that at the beginning of the movie for no reason like i don't know if it's for the like comedic effect or if what it's for but it's just it doesn't help anybody out that has a metaphobia whatsoever so exactly i mean like the program on um someone even said on on put a comment on twitter like you know can they do something about and people who didn't even have a metaphobia were saying that is way too much i can't deal yeah. with it and i was like Oh, well, that makes it sound a bit better then. But even people without our favour were saying, you know, oh, that is just way too much. That's disgusting. You shouldn't really have that on there. That's gross. And I was a bit like, oh, hey. <laughs> yeah, it's just Welcome unnecessary. I don't understand. I don't understand what the reasoning behind it is. I mean, well, maybe yeah. we'll have to talk to an, uh, a producer sometime and be like, why did you put this in this movie? Like, why did you, yeah, this girl like, need to throw up so much right here? Like, this doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. Yeah, it. like, what's it all about? sure so is there anything else uh, you want to leave the podcast with uh, any other words you want to say just keep going just keep just swimming keep there is a light we will get through it and also you know my inbox is always open as well where can people find you at uh i'm on instagram uh literally all one word kate thompson underscore xo i won't be changing it anytime soon um I mean, I don't really use... Yeah, I'd probably say my Instagram. It's just Kate Thompson underscore XA. And that's Thompson with a P and a H. So T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, it's been about an hour. This is the longest one I've done so far. So that was a good talk. Well, thanks for, sure. for having me on. I've been dying to do one of these for a long time. <laughs> yeah, we, we always have you on again, too. I don't mind uh, having people on twice, for sure. We can talk again. Yeah, lovely. Thank you. Take care. Awesome. You have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Just to finish this one off, I want to tell you guys you can find me over at The Emetophobia Podcast on Instagram. My email is theemetophobiapodcast at gmail.com. The website is emetophobias.com. And we have a Facebook group called Emetophobia Community. Um, so please, if you enjoyed this episode, go down below and leave us a review. That would be great. Helps us get up in the rankings and helps more people become aware of emetophobia. You guys have a wonderful day, and we'll see you on the next episode.